Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup, and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Fiala up ahead, gets the steal, Fiala scores! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Happy Halloween. It is my absolute favorite holiday. I look forward to this day every year, and if you'll allow allow me a moment, I'm going to ask all of you a favor. Halloween is my favorite, not because of the candy, which is great, but you know how the older you get, the more you hear that gift giving is better than gift receiving? Well, that is what Halloween is to me giving out gifts to anybody that shows up asking for some. It's a game we all agree to play. You dress up and act silly, you get a gift. It's a stretch, but that's kind of how I look at my job here. You all show up, you wear your jerseys, your heart's on your sleeve. I try and hand out treats as best I can. It's, a, again, a stretch. Uh, stick with me. I love Halloween, and I love my job. So the favor I ask of you is, if you see someone in a costume today, especially if it's a kid, especially if it's a kid, and if you know what the costume is, tell them how great they look. That's it. Tell them what it is. Tell them it's perfect. That's it. Just do that for me. All right, enough of that. Time to talk Kings Hockey. Happy Halloween, everybody. Time to crown another King of the Week. We're looking back at Week 3. These are the games against Tampa, Winnipeg, and Toronto. And a bit of a a, a, uh, a bummer sandwich this week. Uh, here to talk to me about it, the Bannerman. Uh, Caro, how are you doing today? I'm great. If you need a bummer sandwich, you've come to the right place, the Bannerman. <laughs> Perfect. Always pessimistic, rarely sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and of course, Vardy, how are you doing today? Good man, happy Happy Hollows Eve. Is that yeah? Correct? My happy? favorite. Well, by the time people are listening to it, it'll be Halloween, or Halloween will be in the in the past. But it's my favorite holiday of the year, so thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm the, a big fan as well. I think it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Uh, the Bannerman Podcast is available wherever fine podcasts are curated. Of course, you can follow them on Twitter, and as I've said about them in the past. One of the King's podcasts that I regularly listen to that doesn't make me scream very loud while I'm walking through my neighborhood. <laughs> Don't get so, tired of hearing that, Jesse. <laughs> no, keep, keep that coming. Compliments just keep ringing in the ears. That isn't to say that I always agree with you guys, but uh, but I don't. Oh, we're aware, and, and you make it very very plain at times. So no problem, no confusion. Yeah, but uh, let's go ahead and start. Uh, we'll start with you up in the left box, Caro, with uh, your. Honorable mention for King of the Week this week. Yeah, uh, it, it's it wasn't easy, believe it or not. Even though there's like four guys scoring right now for the Kings, mm-hmm. but I went with Phil Deneau as my honorable mention. 
points in four straight. Um, I think he's been instrumental in Arvidsson kind of rounding back out into into form or the player that we're used to from last season. I didn't like that play Phil made against Winnipeg where he sent Shifley on that breakaway, but yeah. but I absolutely loved that play he made against Toronto setting up Arvidsson. Uh, I think he's still kind of the, the straw that stirs the drink for that line, so I got to give it to him. And, and I think I, I had him in one of my top three last time we were on too, so people are going to think I'm a Phil Deneau fanboy, but I'm okay with that. Phil Deneau. I am a Phil Deneau fanboy, and I don't care. Who knows? Um, I have no problem with that. Vardy. Shout it from the mountaintops, buddy. Yeah, Vardy, your uh, your honorable mention this week. Um, I man, it is tough. I'm I'm so not used to the team putting up so many points left and right from so many different places. It makes it difficult. So, with that in mind, I'm going to give it to a dark horse candidate, as I like to do. I'm giving my honorable mention to Cal Peterson, a guy who I think has had about as up and down, mostly down. Uh, start to the season and end to last season, as you can imagine. But I thought in that game against Toronto, against the top flight offense, he came up strong. He played well, especially in the first period when they were allowing shorthanded breakaways, which really could have put that game away way early on and, you know, turned into a track meet like Winnipeg became. I thought he stood tall and he played a solid game. That's, that's, thankfully, that's all we need the goalies to do right now. So more of that, please. I am going to go with uh, the captain, Andre Kopitar. Um, three points, uh, 61% success rate in the face-off circle, which I really don't think can be ignored. We don't, it's one of those things where I was looking over the stats for the three games and I was trying to find anything other than just points to focus on. And I went and looked at the face-offs and I was like, oh my God, this team mm-hmm. is actually dominant in the face-off circle. And, you know, he's playing a ton of minutes and listen, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that he's the MVP of this team so far this season. Um, but three points dominant in the face of circle playing all strengths in a week where they went two and one with two wins over really difficult opponents. I understand that Toronto's, you know, suffering and giving everybody a good show while doing it, but they're still <laughs> They're still the Toronto Maple Leafs. So my runner-up is uh, is Andre Kopitar Caro. Your or uh, excuse me, my honorable mentions Andre Kopitar Caro. Your runner-up. Uh, my runner-up is the first entry into the Todd, Todd McClellan 2022-2023 doghouse. It's Kevin Fiala. <clears throat> I think um, this has been probably his best week as a King, which is crazy to say because he got dropped out of the top six. But I'll tell you, uh, he and Adrian Kempe right now have something real good cooking together. Uh, they seem to always find each other in like great spots and uh, specifically against Toronto on, on Kempe's goal. Fiala seems to do this head and shoulder fake uh, pass to Kempe for the one timer. He did it consecutive times in the second one, found a home. And then there was this one play against Tampa where he just found, uh, Fiala found Kempe streaking down the middle and it was just such a perfect play. And I think these two are destined to play with each other. So I would not be surprised to see Kevin Fiala back in that, on that top line very soon. So I'm going with the new guy runner All up. Right. Vardy, how about you? Uh, going with our baby boy, Gabe, man. Oh man. I, I, I I'm not going to say anything that hasn't been said already. He's just, just playing on a level that we have seen flashes of, but never to this level of consistency. The game is just coming easy to him. The points are coming with that, but it's not just the points, man. It's, it's the presence. It's, it's 
how open he is, you know, for, for every time he gets a goal, I, I watch a game and I go, he could have had two more. He could have easily had two more. He was in the right spot. He's just, it's, it's all coming to him easily right now. And it's, it's so nice to see. He is my runner up as well. Um, I, I confess that he played so well on that line with Deneau and more that even though I love Arvids and Deneau and more as a line together, I mean, I, it's the most fun I've had watching three players play together in Kings jerseys in a very long time. Even though I love that line, I just was like, okay, I'm sold after one game of watching Velarde with more and to know, I was like, that's great. Now we can move Arvidsson somewhere else because th- <laughs> that line, I mean, they did like, I don't know, 18 shot attempts for and two against or something. And in, in the minutes they played together, but yeah, Gabe Velarde, I mean, was he got a goal every other game at least mm-hmm. or every, I mean, he's just insane. He's looks exactly like the player that you used to see when you would watch, um, you know, his highlights in juniors where it just looked like he was, just better than everyone bounds better than everyone yeah Yeah, like it was a different sport for him um and uh and yesterday unfortunately i wasn't near uh my laptop when he did it but when he scored that goal and he did that what is now in my mind the velarde celebration one knee up both hands down straight down and screaming um i love i love seeing that so yeah gave gave velarde um my runner up and only Honestly, the only thing keeping him out of King of the Week is that I didn't pick him as King of the Week last week because in my head I was like, oh, I don't want to pick the same guy King of the Week two weeks in a row. And now looking back on it, I'm like, well, if I had done that, I could make it three three weeks in a row and I would have liked that. But I didn't. So, yeah, Gabriel Velarde, uh, my runner up. Carol, you're King of the Week. Yeah, you guys are doing some serious mental gymnastics here not to give Gabe number one because he's clear. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you guys? What are we doing yeah, out here? Yeah, guys? Yeah. Let's fair. call it like it is. He's. <laughs> Gabe Velarde's the king of the week. Gabe Velarde's been the king of the week for three weeks. And and I don't think it's even close, particularly, in my opinion. Uh, and we, if you listen to our show, you know we're day, day one Gabe guys. So this shouldn't be any surprise. So if I'm on this show and, and it's obvious it's him, I'm not going to try to fool myself into giving it to someone else. It, there is no choice. He's found something that's working right now, and it's not just the goals. Like Vardy mentioned, his passes are like almost perfect. His reads are excellent. His entries are clean. And that's a player that's really in a groove right now. I I tweeted out and I always, you know, when it comes to Gabe Velarde especially, I use hyperbole sometimes. And I said, <laughs> we might be watching something really special right now. And I still do feel that way. I don't expect him to have 70 whatever goals, certainly. But I expect a big season from him. Uh, and it's already a big season if you if you ask me. So he's the King's best offensive player so far this season. And quite frankly, it's not even close. He's the King of the Week. Slam dunk layup all day. <laughs> I was watching highlights of the game, the, uh, the Toronto game today, um, because I was at the game. I couldn't watch the broadcast, blah, blah, blah. And Jim Fox was talking about the shot. And I didn't even realize it, of course, at the time. But the pass from Kopitar to Velarde mm-hmm. on his goal was not, perfectly located no it's it's an across no, the body one-timer all. that is yeah incredibly difficult to from do. like his feet though <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like he got yeah. down to get torque on that and then yeah. put it across in the opposite corner i mean that is mm-hmm. he's yeah. he's always had a bit of a shot like that though he knows how to put the weight on the stick and get that bend going he's actually been throwing the weight around too and hitting a lot of guys too that's been fun to see so Tom McClellan <clears throat> talked about uh, somebody asked him what it was, and he said the first he said the first thing that came to his mind was speed. He said Gabe looks faster. I've seen a ton of 
fans and commentators say the same thing. Um, but to your point, Vardy, yeah, it's not just it's not any one thing, right? It's everything. It's he's faster. He's more um, deft maneuvering the puck around his own body, much less through traffic. He's stronger along the walls. He's stronger on puck protection. He's more confident in playmaking and pass. No, he's playing incredible. It's a lot mm. of fun to watch. Did you? I'm sorry. I realize I'm I'm, I'm going to say all this, and he's not going to end up being my king of the week. But against Tampa. Hedman was all over him, mm. all over him every time he was on the ice, and he just kept going. It was it was marvelous to see. Like Hedman was draped all over his back, and he was still keeping the cycle going. It's we got to talk about that that escape against Toronto too. That spinorama escape against two defenders. Do you guys remember that play? I he don't. was he was in the corner, outnumbered one on two, and he just spun away from both these guys and found open ice. It was a small thing. But something that I couldn't even envision him envision him doing last season or any any time prior. He's just he's on another level right now, and I hope they bottle whatever's going on with him and sell it to to all the other players because they'll buy it up. He's on fire right now. When he picked up his first point, I think I've told this story before. But when he picked up his first point in Ontario, hmm. whatever it was, two years ago. Um, or I guess it couldn't have been two years ago because there weren't uh, three, probably. Yeah, three. yeah. Whatever yeah. game it was, I happened to be in the building, um, and it was on a power play, and I think he passed it to somebody else for a goal, but he did a, a slightly less um, loud move version of the Gabe Velarde celebration in my head. You know, <laughs> the arms down, knee up. But he immediately turned to the bench. I forget which team they were playing, and you could tell he was yelling at the other team's bench. And he was not in a rude way, for lack of a better word, but like he had been getting pushed around that shift. He pulled off a nice move. They were up. They scored a goal. And he, you know, was letting them know that he had something to do with it. That to me now is what we're seeing now, like that version of of Gabriel Velarde. And, you know, I, I don't know that we need to bottle it. I think we just need to let him be who he is. And we'll see more of that. Um, on his own, but but he isn't the king of the week <laughs> so far. He, your king of the week, correct? <laughs> uh, my king of the week this week is Kevin Fiala. Okay. I think I, I think he truly um, is having the best week he's had as a king. I think you know, despite the demotion, if we want to call it that, to the third line, he did exactly what he's being paid to do, especially in that last game against Toronto. Right, like individual effort making plays, getting a breakaway goal off of a great forecheck and like loosening the puck. I think he's coming around to playing the type of game that we're hoping to see. And um, I I think he brings something to the team, man, something that we just didn't really have. It's just finding a way to make it work with how the team has been playing for the last several years. But I, I, I loved watching him play this week. And I agree with what Cardo was saying in terms of like him and Kempe, like, they look for each other a lot. They play a very cohesive game with one another. So whether it's on the same line or on the power play together, that that relationship is definitely building, in my opinion. Was it one of you guys that said you wanted to see Kempe and Fiala play four on four together? I mean, I always think that. Somebody somebody texted me or DM'd me. 
and I honestly cannot remember who it was. So if it wasn't you guys and it was somebody who's listening to this, apologies. I mean, I'd, for... I'd like to see that. That's but like fun. that's that's such a. It doesn't take a genius, right? To like, <laughs> right. You're, right? You're two fastest guys who have chemistry who can burn the ice together. Like that seems like an easy decision. Yeah, to me. No. I guess the issue is who's taking faceoffs. But I suppose Kempe has played center in the past. Yeah, and you know what? Lose the draw. Who cares? <laughs> let's try that. <laughs> sure. Lose the draw. Four check. Let's make it happen. That's It'll right. work. Yeah, but no, Fiala did have uh, an incredible week. He and Velarde both uh, led the team in scoring over those three games, four points each. Unfortunately, gentlemen, neither of those two players is the actual king of the week this week. Uh, I talked about the player I chose for king of the week a little bit already, but now I'm just going to keep doing it more and more and more because it is Phil Donnell. Yeah, I figured that's how um, I was going. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, you know, I mentioned that Andre Kopitar was 61.1% in the faceoff uh, dot for these three games. Uh, either of you care to take a guess where Phil Deneau came in this week? Wasn't he like 72? I think in one game he was like 9 for 10 at one point. It was some I think ridiculous that's the Winnipeg number. game, maybe? Yeah, I'm 73.1 in the three <laughs> games. <laughs> like, Hold on, I'm, I'm going to do the Gabe Velarde right now. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Knee up, hands down, yeah. screaming to the gods. But now Phil Deneau, and it really, I mean, it's not as simple as it coming down to one play, but there is one play that just, to me, perfectly sums up what it is I love about Phil Deneau. And it was Toronto leaving the zone and making a pass that had no earthly business being picked off. Deneau reaches his stick out. And I thought in the nanosecond as he reached his stick out, I thought, what a nice play to disrupt that pass, to break up. Uh, you know, a zone exit and to stifle their momentum, you know, heading into the neutral zone. And then before you know it, he didn't just disrupt the pass. He stopped the pass, corralled the pass, spun around, headed back into the zone with Arvidsson, and it's in the back of the net. I mean, if that had happened to the Kings, whoever sent that pass would be pilloried for a month on Twitter. You know, if Jake Muzzin had been the one to send that pass and Austin Matthews had intercepted it and turned around and scored a goal against the Kings, the goalie and the defenseman who made the pass would be, sorry to use the phrase again, put on a rocket ship and fired into the sun. Can you imagine Uh, if Sean Dersey made that play? Forget about it. Yes. I mean, that that would have been the end of it. And that's the sort of play that Phil Deneau it doesn't always result in a goal, but that is just how he plays hockey. And it, and I, like I, I keep saying it, but he, I think is, he just keeps going up and up and up my ranking of favorite Kings of all time. And it's his awareness. You know, Todd McClellan was asked if he has defensive uh, anticipation. And Todd said, it's not just defensive. It's also offensive. And that play again is a perfect example he anticipated the play, made broke up the pass, corralled the puck, spun around, headed back in, and then found Arvidsson with a beautiful pass. It wasn't just one play. It was like four plays in one. Um, and and I, I, to add to that, Jesse, sorry to interrupt you. I don't know. One thing when you hear about a player who played on another team or you don't get to watch them too often, the little things you don't get to notice. And one thing mm-hmm. I didn't know about Dino till we acquired him, obviously, is how strong he is for his size. and for his height and his weight, because he was wearing a defender like a cape on that play. Like, he was being leaned on, and he still had the base, he still had the strength to not only have the balance, but get a pretty hard backhand pass across to Arvidsson. So, incredible stuff. And used his left hand Mm -hmm. to protect the puck, but didn't 
right, grab the opponent's stick or grab or you know lean into and use his whole arm, right, as leverage to protect the buck. He just sort of like casually Pushed. shoved yeah. <laughs> shoved <laughs> him away. Um, it's an incredible play. He's an incredible player, and selfishly, he's just a very nice man to me personally. <laughs> I don't remember who it was, but somebody said he seems like the nicest guy. And I had to reply on Twitter and said, like, I have limited interactions with him. But in my limited interactions with him, he is. He's a very nice guy. Um, and uh, and I just love watching him play hockey. So congratulations, Phil Deneau. This week's King of the Week. All right, so that was the king of the week, but Vardy and Cairo are going to stick around. We're going to do a little bit more of an in-depth week three recap. I called it a bummer sandwich. Um, Cairo, we'll start with you. On a scale of one to ten. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> how important was it that the Kings, to you personally, I'm not going to ask you to make any sort of you know official pronouncements or whatever, but for your mental health as a Kings fan personally, <laughs> scale of one to ten, how important was it that the Kings came back, not just picked up the win against Toronto, but like comfortably picked up the win against Toronto? Oh, dude, I it, it's nine or ten, and I and again hyperbole maybe, but <laughs> it's not so much the win; it, it's how you win the game, and, and all the wins the Kings have had so far, they have not been. They don't give me that warm, fuzzy feeling inside that I've had <laughs> previously when this team has has beat good teams and and proven that they belong in post postseason conversation. But that Toronto game specifically, <clears> like uh, I think it was Engvall that made it three to two at that, and it was another late period goal. And I got that feeling again, where I was like, okay, that's not a good goal time wise, et cetera, et cetera. And and now we're rolling into the next period. I got nervous, but the Kings probably played their most complete game of the season against Toronto. And they still have work to do, if I'm being honest with you. So it's it's a great step in the right direction. I think even the win against Tampa, just it did not feel right. I think Tampa dominated so much of that game. I think they were getting clean zone entries. It looked like at times, unfortunately, men against boys. And, and the Kings got the win, and that's great. But this is the type of win I, I was waiting for this team to have against the quote-unquote powerhouse team or or a team that people have pegged to actually leave the first round this season. Uh, so, yes, I, I'm going to go high on that. And um, maybe it's too early to go that high, but I think the way things are going, that's exactly what the team needed in terms of the way they played in all three zones and specifically in terms of the way the goaltender played in that game. So I'll go nine. Barty, same question to you. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm right there with him because I mean we did we did our episode before this little homestand and I pretty much had the Tampa game and the and the Toronto game pegged as losses and I had the Winnipeg game and the upcoming Chicago game as the ones that I was like okay never these works two out are the, that way never it never does <laughs> it never does and of course like you know they came out they played well against well enough I should say against Tampa to win um, and so I was already doing well and then the Winnipeg game was just such a bummer. You know, it, it made me feel so much like the Washington game. And these losses are just so like roller coaster losses that I think it's, it's so important for the team to, to have these bounce back wins against opponents that, you know, they're not, they're not the favorites against going into it. Like no one, you could look at the line on that game. And I don't think anyone felt that the Kings were going to be the ones to win that game, despite how Toronto's not doing well right now. Um, but it's, you know, you you brought up the point of how Deneau 
that play that you mentioned, his back checking. So far, what I have noticed, when the Kings find their game, the stick checking is totally on point. There's no clean entries. The exits are difficult. It's not, you know, Daryl Sutter like hockey, banging him into the boards, making him feel bruised up kind of thing. They're a much better forechecking, stick checking team. And when they do that, that's what leads them to wins. That's what minimizes the high percentage chances against. That's what gets them zone time. If they could just clean up these like weird odd man rushes that are just happening in the oddest scenarios, like these, you know, having three shorthanded goals against already, it's such a, it's such a strange thing. Like, I, I don't even know how to explain that. They're all like these breakaways and two on ones that just come out of nowhere. We were watching the first period up in the press box and somebody made the joke that, you know, Toronto didn't have a shot on goal yet. Yeah, however many minutes into the first period it was. And then out of nowhere, they get a breakaway mm-hmm. and first shot on goal. And I just, I, assumed it was going to be a goal because yeah, I'm you're sweating from the red line in yeah <laughs> and i just thought like well here we here we go again right it did it, it and i had actually moments before that asked how many games we had played because i knew the number to that point was four of the nine games mm-hmm. the first goal first shot of the game had been scored against the kings and i was just verifying in my head that if it happened again it'd be five of ten right it'd be half the games which is Fortunately, it wasn't, but it would have been a, a mind-numbing stat. Um, Dooley and I talked on uh, the pregame show heading into the Toronto game about that Winnipeg game, where they should the Kings should have won, and yet if I asked either one of you if there was any confusion as to why they didn't, I mean, Caro, there's there was no confusion, right? Like even though they quote unquote should have won, they also should not have won. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we just talked about breakaways. I mean, we, we harp on our goaltending <laughs> a lot on Twitter and and maybe a little bit on our show, but breakaway after breakaway or, you know, a chance right at the goal mouth, seemingly every game there's three or four looks that the opponents have two feet away from the net with no defender in sight. Like, that can't happen. Uh, although the Kings were dominating possession and Hellebuck played outstanding, no doubt, um, Somehow Winnipeg <laughs> felt like they had the more high quality chances, and that's a huge, huge issue. And I guess the good news is like you can clean that up because this team has cleaned it up. Uh, they've shown us they could do it, and it's just I don't know what it is right now with this team, uh, defensively speaking. But I'm less concerned about that because I think it can be cleaned up. But when you have when you're facing a high powered offense, you can't do that. That's why Pittsburgh buried them. That's why Winnipeg did what they did to them. Like you can't maybe you could get away against Minnesota, who's having a horrible time right now in net, or at least at the time in net and defensively. But I'm not know, sure in, allowing six goals is getting away with anything. They, <laughs> they got won, away with but... it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they got yeah. away with it and they, they got two points. Uh but that's not gonna fly in December, January when teams are dialed in. So um yeah, it's not hard to point out why the Kings lost against the Jets. We talked to Todd after uh, the practice the morning after the loss to Winnipeg, and I asked him, had the end of that game gone differently? Had they either found a way to tie it up and won it in overtime, or maybe they don't allow that late goal and they, you know, the game goes into overtime because they're tied, or maybe they score one late. You know, I said, like, would you have changed anything, right? Would Fiala still be down on the third line? Would the 
the coaching staff still behave the way they did in practice the following day? And he said, absolutely not. You know, the they got themselves into that situation where even if they had dug themselves out, the, the problem is that they were there in the first place, not whether or not they had success. Um, it feels a little bit, though, like we're saying the same, the opposite thing of this Toronto game party, which is it's not that they got the two points. It's that they played well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, <clears throat> like in coach speak, the the solid 60 minute effort, you know, like that's that's what you're looking for. And the two goals that they allowed, you know, one of them, uh, the first one, the, the Tavares goal, it's a weird carom off the boards. I mean, I didn't, I hate those goals. I hate goal mouth goals because I'm always just like, where else would, should, should the coverage be? But like, I, I, I guess if I had to accept the goal, that one sits better to me than, than a two on one or a breakaway shorthanded goal, you know? And I can't imagine the coaching staff is happy that they allowed those those two on ones, those breakaway chances. Like those are the things that are going to, you know, you fall behind one or two goals, and all of a sudden you're trying to dig yourself out of it the rest of the game. It's just not going to go the same way you want it to. Both goals were off right, of, right there. Yeah. Awkward <laughs> bounces off of that, right. those end boards. <laughs> but was the second one a power play goal as well, or I know the first one was. Uh, truth be told, I don't remember. No, that's I, okay. did, I watched it about a dozen times, but I couldn't tell you what strength it was at. I'll look it up right <sighs> yeah. now. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is like with the first one, at least you can make the case that like, well, that guy was uncovered because right. there was a kill. And so, but still bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> As it should. Yeah. So the second one, Engvall was even strength, but it yeah. came in, hit Roy's shin, bounced off the ice about maybe three or four feet high off the bounce off the backboard bounced again three or four right. feet high i'm not even sure that engvall necessarily or not engvall excuse me but whoever the leaf was in the corner that was being covered by roy i'm not sure that he even necessarily got the pass off then it bounces again through roy's legs onto the stick of engvall who you know <laughs> and it's still bouncing like it never once was laying flat or right. traveling in a straight solid line so you know somebody said on Twitter, somebody was saying, you know, well, I'm sure if you asked Peterson, he'd like to have done this, that, or the other thing differently. And it's like, yeah, sure. The puck went out of the back of the net. Right. Anytime that happens, the goalie's going to want to have done something differently. I'm just not prepared to sit here and scream at him for doing it yeah. wrong when the puck was bouncing all over the place. I will say in defense of the team I love, there's been a <laughs> lot of a lot of those goals this season, man. Like, I, we, Vardy and I talk about this all the time. Like, a couple of those wraparounds on quick where it just yeah. hits something and goes in. Or a couple of the goals against Seattle where Tanev just went to the net and it hit Roy stick and it just roofs in. And it, there's been a lot of weird kind of caroms, deflections, or just an inch here, an inch there, and it could have been a completely different play. Um, but again, going back to kind of what we talked about is like you can't let them get to those areas first and foremost, or at least make it uncomfortable for the opponent to get there. Think twice about going there. And knowing there's going to be solid coverage in front, but it had there have been quite a few like weird bounces on our goaltenders. Well, I'll do you one better. You know those bounces are going to happen. Absolutely, yeah. It's a it's a dumb sport, right? Sports <laughs> sports are dumb in general, and hockey is loaded with dumbness. What you can't do is play close enough that that is the deciding factor, right? right? So right. the Kings they give up two goals off of you know, odd situations, but they score four. So, okay. 
two months from now, I will never even remember that Tavares and Engvall scored in weird situations on Peterson. All I'll remember is that the Kings are so to this point in the season one. The next time we play Toronto, I'll just remember that the Kings are one and zero against the Leafs so far this year. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Limit the breakaways. Let's, yeah. let's go there. Let's start like, with well, that. And, and capitalize on your own opportunities, yes. right? We spent a lot of time as as a fan community this summer, and the organization spent a lot of time talking about improving the special teams being a priority. And they scored two power play goals against Toronto, but I would be hard-pressed to say that the special teams' woes are resolved. I mean, certainly not in the PK, right? Power play as well, but I mean, it's, it's interesting because their Soren is so much better for like five on five, right? Like their, their expected goals against is up. Like they're, it's like a total reversal of what they were last year where the defense was locked down and the offense couldn't buy a goal. So we haven't talked about this yet, but uh, now seems as good a time as any. At the time of this recording, Brant Clark has not yet um, played in his. Well, how many games has he played? He's played eight games, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, it would have been nine faced, on the last one. It would have been nine, but they scratched him. Right. So he still has another game left to play before they have to make their decision. And I've been saying on this on the pregame show, and I'll just say it again here. The decision that has to be made is not whether or not to keep him up or send him down. The decision is whether or not they want to have the first year of his entry-level contract activate. Right. They could, they could keep him up. His entry-level contract could activate, and then two weeks from now, they could decide to send him back to the very Colts of the OHL. I'm glad you brought that up, because that's a very important distinction. It's super important, because somebody literally walked up to me on the concourse at the game and asked me, what's going on with Brand Clark? Are they benching him so they don't have to do blah, blah? And I said, no, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, I don't know why they benched him, but I'm assuming it doesn't have anything to do with that. But anyway, regardless of all that, just wanted to say it again. Carol, what would you do with Brand Clark? Oh, I'd keep him. I've I've said this. I'll say it. It. I don't see, in terms of his development, I don't see the benefit of him going to junior right now because he he's proven he's an NHL player. I don't think anyone's going to argue that he belongs. He doesn't look out of place. I I do think um, there's plenty in his game that needs work, and, and I'm looking at him very critically because I do love him so much as a player and and I I realize that he's kind of a unicorn type player with his skill set the way he skates the way he sees the ice you can't find a lot of these guys in the draft and that just uh, IQ like that doesn't come around very often uh the smarts are evident but and I mentioned this to Vardy on our show it feels like he's still playing the junior game at the NHL level I I think there's times where he'll he'll escape a forecheck and he does he's brilliant at that uh, but there was one play specifically, and I brought this up, where he escaped two four checkers, and he, and he skated out from behind his own net, and he held on to it for what seemed like two or three extra seconds when there was a play right there. I think he's still trying to make the perfect Hail Mary pass, and I've seen that a couple of times now. I think he'll learn real quick, um, but I think he's going to learn those things playing in the NHL, because if he goes down to junior, guess what? He's going to escape two four checkers take four strides, and still look for the Hail Mary pass and probably hit it. And, and I don't know how valuable a lesson that's going to be. In fact, there's no lesson there, I think, for him. I think the lessons to be learned are going to come in the NHL, practicing with the Kings day in and day out. So to me, it's 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 a pretty easy decision. One of my least favorite phrases that gets repeated all the time in fandoms is, player X has nothing left to prove. 
at this level, whether it's the AHL or juniors or whatever. There's, not, there's nothing left to prove. And I just go, well, there's not about proving anything. <laughs> this is not why players are sent to play at, you know, lower levels of competition. Vardy, would you uh, keep Brant Clark up here or would you send him to the juniors to prove himself some more? <laughs> I'd send him back to the Czech League to prove himself some more. <laughs> yeah. No, man, he got to keep him up. And it's obvious that they want to keep him up and it's obvious that he adds something um, to to the team. You know, it, it's I, I brought this up before that, you know, they didn't – it's not a situation where they needed the bodies – you know, you got Spence, you got Bjornfoot, you guys got you got guys with NHL playoff experience playing in the AHL right now. So it's not a situation where, well, we got no choice. We need Brent Clark here to be our seventh defenseman. They've got ten defensemen they can choose from. So there's clearly something there, and he's shown it in flashes in the you know twelve thirteen minutes that he's averaging that they want to help blossom. It's not about proving, like you said, it's about doing what's best for the player's development and. Even if it means, you know, burning the first year of his contract and he, maybe he doesn't play the full remaining 70 whatever games there are, if he gets 50 games in at the NHL level, 60 games in at the NHL level, if that helps him in his development be a better second year player next year, that's what you do, I think. And I think it's also become, in my mind at least, less and less relevant about burning first years of contracts because I feel like you're seeing more and more now teams are not doing bridge deals as much anymore. They're jumping right into it with these younger guys and going, okay, we're going to give you 7 million times eight years right off, right off as your second contract because they know where the development curve is going to go with these guys. By the time, if you sign a bridge deal with a lot of them, three years, something like that, they're going to be way more expensive. The cap's going to be even higher. So I think the relevancy of, of burning a bridge, burning your first year of a contract like that I don't think that matters nearly as much anymore for teams, in my personal opinion. I think you're right, particularly in that the type of player where you might care about that sort of thing is not the type of player that is drafted eighth overall and makes Correct. the pass that we saw Brant Clark make to right. Blake Lazat. <laughs> right? Right. Like, they're the players where you say, well, I'm not entirely sure when this guy might hit. And if he hits, where is his ceiling at? We're not sure. We don't want to paint ourselves into a corner financially or when it comes to arbitration, et cetera. Brant Clark, by the time he's eligible for his next contract, if he becomes the player that it appears that he will be, Kings will just pay him whatever it takes. Right. Right. He's we're talking about him. I mean, I say we, I'm talking about the fans now, not the organization. <laughs> but fans are talking about him as the heir apparent to Drew Doughty. Um I'm not sure that anybody in the organization would use that language. I'm certainly not going to. True Doubt, he's one of my favorite players of all time. But we're talking about a player who is very clearly got a high ceiling and mm-hmm. not not one where they're going to mess around with. And how many players even go to arbitration? And it's not. So, yeah, it, it's. Yeah, it's, al- <clears throat> it's almost like you want that to happen. You want him to, you want him to get seven times eight, right? Yes. Because that no, means, of course, absolutely. Because that means by year three, he's he's showing you that he's an elite defenseman, pretty much. Right. Uh, so, I I don't understand the fear or like the hesitancy myself. It's like if this kid's gonna hit and and he's gonna command eight million dollars by year three, that's a hell of a good problem to have. Like, give every team wants that problem. One of my favorite recurring moments in uh that i now get to see all the time 
in the in the media availabilities is somebody writing a story will inevitably ask is player x making it difficult for you to make the decision and mcclellan will always say nope they're making it easy <laughs> like you know right. when a player comes in when gabriel already comes in and has the season he's having it's not a tough decision to put him on the top line right you know when when brant clark is playing the way he's playing it's not a tough decision to say yeah he's sticking around it's and they've not yet made that decision but again said it at the top um yeah it's not a question of keeping him it's just a question of is it worth it to burn that contract i think pretty much i think it's evident that it will be i think i think think, sorry i I think the only difficulty thing regarding that decision doesn't even involve brent clark himself i think the only difficult thing involves who do you sit so that Brent Clark can play, right? So you're, you want to get Sean Walker back in. You want him to be the player he was and you want him to get his shifts coming back from an ACL uh, tear like he did. But you're also concerned about overdoing that. You're concerned about overplaying Alex Edler. And I realize these are three very, very different players. Um, so I think that's the only, you know, like I think McClellan said, in the post game, last game, they asked him, you know, how come Brent Clark sat? And he called it a hockey decision, you know, which is such an obtuse statement to make. But I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's what I read into that. I, I think he, I read into that of like, well, how many games am I going to sit Sean Walker? Let's be honest here. You know, if someone's going to come out, it's going to be him or Jersey or someone like that. So it's always tough um, in the situation I'm in because. I, I get these rare opportunities where I get to be in a room with Todd McClellan and sometimes three other people, sometimes 12 other people. And, and if it's after, like after, a after a, ga- a game, I tend not to ask questions that I can ask in a different setting. Mm-hmm. Right. So like last, let's take the Toronto game. For example, there were a number of people in the post game media availability that weren't there um, the day before at practice. They weren't there the day before at the morning skate. They weren't there the day before at that practice. And so for them, that's their opportunity to ask a bunch of questions about the team, about the season, about whatever. So even though Todd's there to talk about, and apologies for calling him Todd, I don't like that I do it, but I do it. <laughs> he's not He's not there to talk about like larger themes in general. He's there to talk about that night's game. But there was no morning skate for the Toronto game. There was no media availability today. And they're on the road. So the next time I get to talk to Todd McClellan will be like next Monday. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't ask the question I wanted to exchange ask. emails, text messages. <laughs> no, not that, that close no. with them. No, no, no. Uh, okay. no. You're going to have to go to the mayor and Bernstein if you want guys that are pals <laughs> with Todd McClellan. Um, but, uh, but what I would have asked him is, was the decision to not play Brand Clark and to play Sean Walker because in that Winnipeg game, what they wanted to change was a more, for lack of a better word, professional approach to the game, right? He talked about after the Winnipeg game, we can't do this run and gun stuff. It's not going to work out for us. He said some version of that statement three or four times now at this point. Um, And no disrespect to Brent Clark, but Sean Walker, at the very least, is an established pro who presumably knows what that means. And if you want somebody to come in and actually play a brand of hockey that they are familiar with, I would believe that that could be a reason to do it. Don't know because didn't get a chance to ask him, won't get a chance till next Monday. And by then there'll have been three more games and there'll be more important things to talk about. But, mm-hmm. um, but it's been, I will say this, it's been a fun week talking to Todd McClellan. He's been really, 
really forthcoming this week and there have been some great i would encourage everybody to listen to the pregame show and if you can't listen to it when it's live uh we do make it available as a podcast you can download um on the la kings insider audio feed uh just look for la kings insider where you find <laughs> podcasts or uh or follow nice. me on twitter because i usually re uh, retweet the the link to it but um but vardy i just um any any other storylines or or things that stood out to you over the last three games uh i don't know about storylines but i've i've had this like weird creeping thought coming into my head every once in a while about, i love like, weird creeping thoughts. weird creeping <laughs> okay you're gonna love this one all right what if what if olimata was the real linchpin for this defense <laughs> <laughs> listen if you think i haven't had that weird creeping thought <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, I've I've just looked at it over the last ten games, and I'm trying to figure out what's different, what's missing, and I just keep coming back to this idea that, like, oh my god, was it Olimata all along? <laughs> if you want, if you want weird. Go back and look at the stats from Christmas of 2021 till today, and look at the plus minus on the team. Right. It's upsetting. <laughs> Don't do it, man. No, your feelings will get hurt. He's sending me down <laughs> a rabbit hole, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's Halloween. It's dark already. Just don't do yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I will say this because I've seen the debates on, on the message boards and on the social media about, you know, well, what would it have meant to keep Mata and Edler? And obviously the team would look very different. Um, but Caro, would different be bad? I mean, it's too late now. There's no sense in. Uh, I don't know. Seriously. I guess I don't, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, guys. You're, All you're, right, you're, fair for, enough. you're forcing <laughs> me into holy mode. But I will say, um, I'm just going to piggyback off your question, not so much mm-hmm. Marty's answer. But <laughs> I, I think the main thing I'm I'm looking forward to and just always thinking about is Cal Peterson. And I think with his contract, the amount he makes – uh, with that good game he had in Nashville and that clunker he had against Pittsburgh, and now he has a good game against Toronto. What I really want is just a string of starts for Cal and a string of solid performances for Cal. So, like, that's what I'm really zoned in on. Um, I think Father Time is undefeated, and no matter what, it's coming for Jonathan Quick sooner or later, and, and, and the Kings outside of those two aren't particularly deep in the goaltending position, so I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you here real quick, though. I I could already see you're gonna do that from your yeah. <laughs> so go for it. Uh, I hear that phrase a lot, right? The version that I hear is we're one injury away from catastrophe. Well, I didn't say that. Just no, no, so I know, but then, but but that's the right. They say like Jonathan Quick is how old Jonathan Quick is. Cal Peterson has yet to establish himself. Blah blah blah. Ergo. All it's going to take is one, you know, the wrong size rock in someone's shoe one morning and, you know, the sky crumbles. <laughs> name stack me of a, pancakes. Name me a, yes, exactly. <laughs> but name me a team in NHL history that had an NHL caliber goalie stashed away on their minor league team that everybody knew about that they were just allowed to smuggle around for some reason. Like, yes, there have been guys who got called up and then went on shocking, surprising runs or established themselves as a, a, you know, at a level of play that we'd never thought of before. But like, yeah, if Jonathan Quick gets hurt and misses 60 games like he did in 2017, you're going to have a bad time. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, oh my god, just talking about it sounds like a bad time. No, no, <laughs> I, you're you're absolutely right. I don't think there are many instances in NHL history where that's happened. Uh, I think there have been instances where there's blue chip goalie prospects marinating, so sure. to speak. Maybe they're not NHL level yet, but uh, your hope is that they would be uh, a starter at some point. And I, I still think. Honestly, I still think Cal Peterson's a starting goaltender. There's a starting goaltender somewhere in his body, and his mind. And, and I think my main hope is that, that it comes out this season because the timing couldn't be better for him um, and probably the organization too for him to become that player. It would solve a lot of, and I don't want to say problems, but it would solve a lot of what-ifs mm-hmm. moving, moving forward. Um, I've asked a lot of people this question, so I'll go ahead and ask you guys, Vardy. If all of the what-ifs for the Kings went right, and we know that that never happens for any team, right? Every year, every year, every team goes, yeah, well, if this and if that and if that, then watch out. If all of the what-ifs for the Kings go right, what is the ceiling for this team based on what you've seen so far through nine games? Or is it ten games now? No, it's 10, I think. Yeah. What is the ceiling? I mean, if everything were to go right. I mean, if everything went right, we'd be lifting the cup, wouldn't we? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that not be the ceiling? That's what I think. But I, but I, the reason I phrase it that way is to say, like, if everything went right for the Sharks or the Ducks. Oh, I see what you we're mean. We're looking at a team that, like, maybe makes, makes the playoffs, playoffs, that kind of thing. Maybe. Whereas uh, if everything goes right for the Kings, in my mind, we're talking cup contention. I, I think, well... If I have to use last year as kind of a baseboard to mm-hmm. jump from, and you know we were a couple of bounces away there from being in the second round of the playoffs in my mind, um, I think if everything goes right for this team, it's Western Conference Finals is is very easy to project. And again, I just we all accept that like everything's not going to go right. That's no, ne- never happens. Not. Of course <laughs> not. Yeah, even the 2012 2014 team said things yeah. go ter- terribly wrong. Carol, same question to you. Uh, I'm going to – the playoffs are so weird to me. Like, I, to me, I just focus on the regular season. Fair enough. And I'm saying the Kings could win the division if, if all went right. I think that's a pretty easy conclusion to come to, especially the, the way the Pacific's kind of been going this season. Because, I mean, all you really want in this day and age in the NHL is to get in and be hot like that's i think i think literally that's the formula get in i'm assuming you mean playing well and not attractive no i mean both would be great but yes playing playing (laughs) why not both (laughs) like you're in your groove and you're heading into the playoffs that's what you want and anything can happen in the playoffs i think they used to maybe they used to use that as a tagline in like the early 2000s but that was bs now anything can happen in the playoffs like uh, just get in, man. And if if you're gonna win the division, you're probably gonna get a better matchup in theory, even though that's kind of out the window too these days. Uh, so I'll say that, man. Just win the division, play a wild card team, and see what happens. Because if you're in that position, man, you, you should be ripe to make some noise. Yeah. See, I, I I've just accepted that they're never gonna win a division. That's just they're not a they're not a regular season team. Hey I man, nineteen like, ninety one was a great season. Don't fantastic. Don't I I every time I look at this team, they don't strike me as a regular season team. They strike me as a team that comes together when the stakes are highest because they've got guys like that, and that's exactly what happened. I think against Edmonton, and it took 
Connor McDavid, you know, going Super Saiyan for them to for them to make it through that round and find they brought that gear out of Connor McDavid. You could give him all the credit in the world, but it took the Kings playing that well against Connor McDavid for him to become playoff Connor McDavid last year. Well, I've said it before, but I have to confess I don't care about the division title. Uh, it's nothing. I doesn't. What, what did Daryl call it? Dirty laundry. Yeah, <laughs> I don't Darryl remember, Soto but something. Like but I mean, that. you know, we made fun of. Was it the Ducks or the Sharks that hung whatever nine division banners in a row in the rafters? And you're just like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, cool. it was Anaheim. They had that incredible yeah. run, and well, they had the run. But I don't think they had. I think San Jose was the one where it's like. Division winner, division winner, division winner, conference right. finalist, conference finalist, division winner, division winner. You're like, there's something, oh, there's something missing up there. Right. Quality over quantity, boys. Yeah, I can't put my finger on it. Uh, listen, thank you very much, Bannerman. I appreciate it as always. Uh, anybody, again, if you want to check out the Bannerman podcast, uh, I personally recommend it. Um, they're great guys. They let me text them and all, all <laughs> caps at odd times. And, uh, <laughs> My wife asks me about those. I, it's, it always makes it awkward, but you know, anything for a friend. Yeah, it's, who's this Jesse? Is it a female yeah. Jesse? It's or a guy. A male I promise. Jesse? I promise. Just some crazy old man. Anyway, thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us, man. Always, always thanks, a good time. Jesse. We'll always do it when you ask. <laughs>